Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Doug Wright filling in on Inside Sources for the next little while. I appreciate you joining us. And a lot of folks are really getting focused on the 2020 election, even though we have a very important election coming up in many of our municipalities, uh, especially including Salt Lake City. Uh, wherever you drive around, you're seeing placards and so on and lawn signs for various Individuals running for council seats and mayoral seats and here uh, along the Wasatch Front, you're seeing a lot of that and throughout the state of Utah. As a matter of fact, there's a debate that I'll be moderating here on KSL radio television and on other stations throughout the uh, the area. And that will be coming up on the 21st of October with Luz Escamilla and also... Uh, we're going to be talking with Aaron Mendenhall as well. Of course, the two final left-standing individuals after the primary running for the seat in Salt Lake City. But while we have that election coming up, a lot of people really are, and in no small part because of all of the stuff we've been hearing out of Washington, D.C. But we're focused on what's happening here in the great state of Utah. And we don't have a Senate seat, but all, of course, our congressional seats will be up for grabs. And then also our gubernatorial seat. And when I got this this morning, it was forwarded to me from our producer and it's dated October 2nd, 2019. And uh, Greg Miller talked about how he had heard encouragement and certain commitments from the business and community leaders, uh, those who were encouraging him as he contemplated for the possibility of running for governor of the state of Utah. Uh, He indicated in this release that after careful consideration he decided not to run and i appreciate greg joining us here on inside sources at ksl news radio greg it's been a while last time i saw you was in hanksville and you were running the dirty devil if i recall yep i had a a boat down there and we were on a little adventure it was fun to run into you spontaneously like that that was really fun i i I saw you uh, out of traditional uniform and i i actually had to look a little twice you were on an adventure and so were we in our family we had gone out to the uh the house of the moon moon house in bear's ears and we had also gone to a burning house and we had just had a great great time and it was so good to run into you Let's talk about the gubernatorial race. How serious and how close were you to maybe pulling the trigger? Well, that's a a good question. I I began considering this in uh, August of 17. That was the first time I had a conversation with my wife and children about it. And um, I... (laughs) 
I was uh, trying to figure out, since I stepped down as CEO of the Miller Group, I was trying to figure out what my highest and best use might be and how I could use arguably my most productive years, you know, in the most beneficial way. And when I looked at my age and I looked at the, the time frame, um, if I were to run and if I were to win, um, it, it just seemed to line up uh, quite nicely. And so I embarked on a a process of meeting with uh, people who I consider to be friends and advisors and whose opinions I respect uh, probably had, I would say, 40, maybe 50 different one-on-one meetings with um, those types of people and and other uh, people who are I would consider experts in the, the field of politics, those that might uh, be part of a campaign team and so on. And during that process, um, it was really a wide range of emotions and convictions even from um, having moments where I was absolutely convinced it was the right thing to do and then um, the pendulum going all the way to the other end of the spectrum and thinking, no, I'm not cut out to be a politician and and really believe in that. And it, I actually went back and forth across the spectrum a number of times over the last couple of years. And ultimately, that was part of the the way I, um, that was uh, how I formed my conclusion that and for the last few months, just not feeling that spark and knowing that if, if I couldn't go in with a lot of energy and emotion and, and, uh, commitment that it probably wasn't the right thing for me. So I, I don't know how to answer it other than that. I, I can tell you, I put a lot of time and effort, a lot of prayer into it. And, uh, I, I'm very comfortable with the decision to not run. Well, making the decision to run for political office, high political office especially, is just a, a gut-wrenching process, and it requires so much. I remember Bob Bennett years ago when I was thinking of even sticking my toe in. Uh, he said, boy, you got to have that fire in the belly. And Governor Levitt, I remember, once said, boy, unless you can step up and ask for the money, you know, you don't you don't have a prayer. And there are all kinds of interesting advice that floats out there. Was there one individual or one piece of advice more than any other that really kind of hit you between the eyes and tipped the decision into not running? No, I, I think there was I, I don't know that I could isolate a specific uh, conversation or individual, but I think it had to do a lot with the situation with with our family. You know, my mom is um, she's having a great time and doing a great job at the helm of the Larry Miller group, but she's she's gonna be seventy six in a couple of weeks. And one of the considerations was if if I were to run and gain the, the and win the primary and then move on and and win the election, um, as I saw it from the moment I were to win the primary, if I were to have done um, until the end of that first term, there's no backing out. If something were to happen to her or, um, you know, there was just too many variables there. And, of course, my, my heart and my commitment lies first with our family business that my parents have sacrificed so much to build. And I, I just feel a deep obligation to do what I can to perpetuate that. And really, you know, um, it, it's obvious, I guess, to, uh, to pretty much everyone that if I would, if I were to find uh, a role in public service, there wouldn't be any room left really to to lend any support to the, the business. And that was really just uh, not something I was comfortable with.
Well, you know, the business is, it's so embedded in Utah, and Utah is so embedded now in the various aspects of the, the Miller family enterprises. You look at the number of people. I know in talking to your dad, and uh, more recently, of course, talking to your mother, that there was a huge responsibility there. I can remember your dad talking about the number of people that were employed. So it wasn't just about the Miller family. It was about the extended families. Your mom has mentioned that to me over and over in conversations over the years, and it sounds like you take that equally seriously because a lot of lives and yeah, a lot of things lot. pivot on the Miller family. Yeah, we're so thankful for our employees and uh, the loyalty they demonstrate to us. And we reciprocate, we, at least we try to reciprocate and take our responsibility seriously to, you know, to lead well and to make sound decisions that will um, create stability and allow them to live the best lives possible. So, um, you know, ultimately, all of those types of thoughts kind of converged and, and made me realize that, that I'm probably a lot better off in the private sector and and uh, with a little bit of philanthropic service woven in and and just kind of double down on what I've been doing for the last three and a half decades. Greg, just a, a final quick question. If you had moved forward and if you had become governor of the great state of Utah, what is that one thing? Most politicians that I know are those who seek high office. They have something they really want to do. What would you like to have done or changed or enhanced in the great state of Utah? Oh, I don't know if there's one thing. There's there's so many um, important issues right now. Um, we're fortunate that our economy is rolling along right now, so I think that's more of a maintenance thing. Um, obviously, that uh, you know, a, a tax reform plays into that. I think there is a need to update our tax code uh, to be you know more consistent with um, our economy today and what's driving it. Of course, our environment's important. Um, education is important. Uh, those are probably um, three of the uh, the top concerns that I would have. Right. Greg, I so appreciate you joining us today. I've really appreciated the relationship I've had with your family over the years and, and the relationship with you, the friendship. And thank you for spending this time with us here at KSL. And I'll be curious what the future does uh, indeed hold for you and what some of those priorities will be. Thank you for having me, Doug, and it's wonderful to hear you on the radio other than Fridays on the movie show. I'd love to see you come back. <laughs> hey, that's awfully kind of you, Greg. Thank you so much. Greg Miller with us at KSL News Radio here on Inside Sources, and it was made official today that uh, Greg will not be running for the governor's seat here in the state of Utah.